You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to Let's Talk Apple episode 24, the show for August 2015. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a fabulous panel, as always. Um, starting geographically closest to me, I think we have Nick Riley back with us. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. Good to be back. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank um, you. From not much further away from me, if not perhaps slightly closer, we also have the wonderful Gazmas back. Hi, Gaz. Uh, good evening. Uh, or, or good afternoon for um, another panellist on the show. Yes, it's very much evening for us in the general United Kingdom area, and I count Ireland as the general area, even if we're not a member of the kingdom anymore. Uh, but then joining us for the first time from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, we have uh, Dr. Robert Carter with us, the tech doctor. Hi, Robert. Hi, Bart, and thank you so much for having me. And hello, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Well, since it's your first time, do you want to let people know where they can listen to other things you do? Sure. The primary thing I do at the moment is called the Tech Doctor Podcast. In part, the tech comes from the fact that I am totally, insanely all about keeping up with Apple technology. Good. And, uh, That's a good reason to have you here. Yes. And the doctor part comes in, uh, I guess, is just sort of uh, more relating to my day job. I'm a psychologist at a university here, but our Tech Doctor podcast primarily deals with Apple accessibility. We're all about helping people get the most out of their technology if they make use of the uh, voiceover accessibility screen reading system. So that's what we cover a lot on the Tech Doctor podcast. Excellent. Well, it's a pleasure to have you aboard. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Now, normally in August, I find it very hard to get enough show notes together to talk for a full hour. But for some reason, the news gods this August have decided not to take the month off. And I actually ended up having a really hard time getting us down to just six main topics. And usually I try to keep it to five, but I just I couldn't decide what else to throw in the bin. So six topics we have. And before we even get stuck into those, we have some notable numbers and some quick legal stories. So I think we should probably not dawdle and get stuck in. So the first thing we have is that iMore did a survey of how people use their Apple Watches and particularly how much they use them for and what they use them for. And the bottom line, if you're going to draw a bottom line, is that people seem to use these things a lot. Uh, Apple Watch owners tend to wear them for at least five days a week. At least 93% of them do. And they wear them for eight hours a day or more, or at least 95% of them do. So as a recent convert to the Apple Watch, I am not particularly surprised because I pretty much wanted my 12 hours of stand time every day on that little circular thing. Therefore, I wear my watch at least 12 hours every day. Uh, every day. So yeah, I, I definitely fit into that category. Um, who else on the panel is an Apple Watcher? Well, I am, and I love my Apple Watch, and I'm not surprised either in some ways by these results. But I do have to wonder, you know, it seems like uh, if we look, think about statistics here, this uh, survey is likely to be a bit skewed because I can just imagine that iMore participants would be more likely to be those big Apple fans like ourselves mm. who love our Apple Watches. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's great that these numbers came out this way, but I think we have to take them a little bit with a grain of salt, honestly. 
Well, actually, maybe the more interesting numbers aren't the headline numbers. Maybe the more interesting numbers are the breakdown of what people use the, the watch for. So maybe we'll, we'll skip on to that in a minute. But before I do, any of, any of our other panelists, Apple Watchers? No, I don't have an Apple Watch. Uh, I had one for a very brief moment. Um, <laughs> well, it was in the box. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm hearing, you know, very similar things. But I'm also hearing that there's lots of users who aren't uh, geeks or Apple fans that are actually getting the watch and loving it. So uh, I think um, I think that perhaps because I heard a rumor today that it's going to be sold through a uh, an electrical store in the UK called Curry's. I think it was Curry's oh. that they said. So uh, that's going to be um, sales to basically ordinary folk, I would say. Well, Same that'll... here in the US with Best Buy now selling it. So yeah, I think that is really happening. They're very similar stores actually, Best Buy and Curry's yeah. in terms of their audience. Uh, Nick, are you, are you a watcher? Uh, I have a watch, but not an, not an Apple watch. I have an, an Android watch. one. You're not tempted? Uh, not really. Too expensive for me. Yeah, I, I must say, I'm, I'm actually quite tempted by uh, LG's Urbane watch. It's yeah, that's what I've got. Watch. Is it? Yes. Oh, we yeah, might have to have a chat at some point, I'm afraid. <laughs> yes, it's very anyway, nice. We're, we're, we're moving away from Apple. So well, we may be moving back towards this topic later. Uh, are, those, are those Google Gear watches? Yes. Well, then we will be talking about them later, so we'll pause that topic. I, I'm not particularly surprised about this um, 93% using their watch for five days, because... Not surprisingly, most of us do something five days a week. Yeah, work. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it's the most likely time we're going to wear our watches. So, <laughs> well, strange enough, I find it more interesting when I'm out cycling. But that's yes, if it's giving you feedback on something you're actually doing, then obviously that's going to oh, be. Oh, it, it's such a joy because I have um, Bluetooth headset and being able to control the volume from my watch while I'm out cycling is such a joy. I can imagine. A lot less fiddling. Um, but as I said, the other thing is, the other question they asked was not just, do you use, well, how often do you use the watch, but also what do you consider the most important feature? And uh, it's not surprising, perhaps, that 98% of people said that notifi- notifications were very important to them. Then timekeeping. Strangely enough, actually, that on a watch, timekeeping should come lower than notifications, but there we go, <laughs> 84% for time. And then 77% for health. Um, which I guess is one of the main reasons I bought it because I I would have if the Apple Watch hadn't have come out I would have bought a fitness band but then when it did I was like well I can have a cool watch and a fitness band so that was sort of my thinking then communications and then we're down into the 40 so that's all in the uh, you know between 170% sort of 98, 84, 77, 72 and then there's a big drop off to Apple Pay and Passbook 44% perhaps because not everyone who has an Apple Watch has the ability to Apple Pay Weather, stock, maps, calendar, 42%, and then home automation, 23%. So I thought that's interesting. Mm. As I say, there are more numbers here than we could possibly talk about. Uh, The most used apps is interesting. Dark Sky wins pretty impressively on that, Uh, which if you live in a country like Ireland where the rain is your enemy, that's understandable. I really do enjoy Dark Sky on my watch, but I have to laugh because both yesterday and today, about 10 minutes after the rain started, I got a Dark Sky <laughs> alert that it was going to rain. So it, it's usually, it usually happens a bit before, but uh, the last couple of days has been just after. So who knows? The, the, yeah, they're not perfect. They are pretty good, but they're not perfect. Um, 
In Ireland, we have we often have weather where it is almost it is dry for almost a whole day, but when it isn't dry, it rains really, 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 really heavily very shortly, and a dark sky doesn't seem to know what to do with that, so it blurs it out and causes a drizzle. And it's yeah, not well. drizzle. They're torrential downpours interspersed by lovely sunny weather. Um, but it's mostly good. It is. I'm joking about them, but they normally do a great job, actually. And well, people in work actually laugh at me because I, I cycle to and from work, and at about half four, I start to look at the dark skies and start to sort of pick when I'm going home today. It's like, mm, I think I'll go home about quarter past five. It's like, why? It's like, well, there'll be a gap in the rain. And it, it's genuinely accurate, and I generally get home dry. Well, I was with my 80-some-year-old parents a few uh, months ago, and I, we were at the lake, and I told them, look, in about 10 minutes, it's going to rain. They said, how could you possibly know that? I said, my watch told me in about 10 <laughs> minutes it rained. They thought it was a miracle. <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. Um, yeah, I so said there's more numbers here than we could possibly shake a stick at. I'm sort of um, – I've landed on one just because I think it's the first question everyone asks is, well, what watch face do you use? And 56% of people – hang on, that can't be 50 cent. Well, I guess people might change their watch faces because this adds up to more than 100. But 56% of people use the modular clock face, which happens to be the one I use. That's one I use too, and I don't ever change it. I played with them when I first got it, you know, first got the watch, but I guess a lot of people change them fairly often. I, I assume the modular one is where you can put different um, I, pieces of information on there. It's the one where you can put the most different pieces, which is how I ended right. up on it. Right. They all have some customizability apart from, I think, I don't think Mickey Mouse has much, and the astronomy one has very, very little. Uh, but uh, most of them have some customization, but the one with the most little holes you can change is modular. Right. And I just... I want to see everything, so yeah, that's why I chose that one. Uh, utility comes in second, and then there's a big fall-off to simple clock face and chronograph and so forth. Anyway, I don't think we should spend our whole time going through all of these numbers, because I've noticed where the scroll bar is on the page, and it's less than halfway, and I've talked a lot already. So the link is in the show notes, which will be at letstalk.ie, and it is just full of little statistics about what people are using the watch for, what they're not using the watch for, what glances they're using. Basically... You name it, they have statistics on it pretty much. It's, it's quite impressive. So that takes us into the legal section where I don't want to dwell, but I do just want to mention what's going on. So some good news for Apple from Europe. The European Commission have said that Apple's streaming music deals do not violate EU antitrust laws. Uh, that's kind of all that needs to be said on that, really. So that's good. Um... U.S. federal court has rejected Samsung's latest appeal, so now they can go all the way to the Supreme Court, assuming the Supreme Court wants to talk to them, or they can go home. Um, that's a long, long, long-running story. I hope they go home, but we'll see. <laughs> well, they may be told to, right? Because the Supreme Court doesn't have to take a case. It can just tell them to go pound sand. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, judge Coe, so this is Judge Coe, who is also the judge in some of these Samsung cases, but in this case, she wasn't dealing with a Samsung case. It was the anti-poaching case, and she did something interesting. So Apple have issued a settlement. The settlement has been agreed, and that settlement included a certain amount of legal fees, and the judges basically went, no, the lawyers are getting half what they want. And I'm kind of thinking, well, that's kind of good, actually. So that, that's, uh, that's what happened in that case. And then the final story is from Germany. And the German High Court, or rather the highest court in Germany, the, probably the Bundes something or other, I should have looked that up. Uh, the highest court in Germany have said that it is not, or that Apple's patent on slide to unlock is invalid because of prior art. 
So in Europe, that means that Slide to Unlock has been invalidated, and so has their Elastic Bouncy patent. So that is interesting, although probably old news, because under Tim Cook, this whole suing about patents thing doesn't seem to be the current policy anyway. Anyone have any thoughts before we get into the fun stuff? Um, oh. I, I just enjoy listening to you all the roundups of uh, the, the legal cases, uh, but I think there was a time when I think most people would re- were really interested in these, but they're, they're so often, and I think people are just sick and tired of it, to be honest. So, so basically, but, I read them and be cranky all month, and then I summarize it in 30 seconds, and you don't have to read them. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to be cranky for about a minute and a half. <laughs> Something feels just right about that. Yeah, okay, I'll, it's a service then. I will sacrifice myself and give you the rundown in a few seconds (laughs) okay well let's move on to our six big stories um big story the first is probably the shortest but i still think it's a big story so last i think it was last year a while ago that's not too long ago apple made a lot of news and surprised an awful lot of people by making a deal with ibm who are giant big corporate overlords well if you do networking equipment there is an equivalent of ibm they're called cisco and Apple have just done a deal with Cisco. Hmm. Hmm. I got a feeling, and I've I've heard this on uh, another podcast as well, that we might be hearing something uh, in connection with this, possibly at uh, a certain event, which might be cropping up. I think that's quite quite likely, actually, because what they're I mean, they're not saying all that much in the press release, just that they're going to work together to make iOS work much better on Cisco systems, and it's. Very, very full of superlatives and very, very low on specifics. Mm. It's probably good for all those people who take their iDevices to work. I hope it'll mean better connectivity and all. Yeah, I I think that is what they're aiming for. Now, when I think of Cisco, I think of hardware, but actually Cisco also do an awful lot of software. And they do an awful lot of video conferencing and collaboration stuff. Yes, yes. So that could get very interesting in a corporate setting. Yeah, start incorporating the, you know, the functionality that we all take for granted, which is FaceTime, et cetera, into uh, the business environment, which, I mean, we're doing it all the time now. We're doing, you know, at work, we are always video conferencing. And um, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm thinking about it, it is Cisco systems that we're using. So if they can incorporate an easy way, uh, and we just recently upgraded our phones and everyone is now on an iPhone 6, um, and it's it's just it it will make it so much easier if we can just log into that process by using the phone wherever we are, uh, and you know it, it it is much better when you're having a meeting rather than just having a phone conference to be able to see the people. So it could be coming our way. Yeah, I think this is one of those stick a pin in it and wait to see all the cool stuff that falls out stories. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't think we've seen all the cool stories coming out from IBM yet, so I think this is mm. going to be a trickle factor. Yes. And also, a lot of the IBM stuff, I mean, the apps for the people who get to use them are very cool, but most of us aren't in the various businesses these apps are targeting. No, no. So even if the cool, even the cool stuff that is out there, we don't tend to hear about it in the big breaking news because they're not selling, you know, 500 million copies of this app. They're selling much fewer copies for much, much more money to people who really need it. If, to allow people access into systems which previously was perhaps a little bit more awkward. Yeah. What I think is most interesting about this is that, I mean, we all know that Apple have sort of made their own way generally hmm. in the world of tech. 
Um, but this seems to be them observing what's happening in the in the workplace and saying we can make that better. Yeah, I, I think you know historically Apple were always afraid of getting into the business because. The obvious fear, I think, from Apple's point of view is that you end up like Microsoft where the business are telling you what you can do and what you can't do, and the end result is it's a giant big weight around your neck. Well, we demand you have backwards compatibility on Windows XP for the next 20 billion years, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. And Apple are now powerful enough that they can continue to steer their own course and still work with business at the same time because they're now strong enough to say, well, that's great, but no, if you want to stay in our cool stuff, upgrade. So it's- yeah, and also the CEOs started bringing their iPhones and iPads to work. What are you going to do? Right, yeah, of course. There's also the fact that corporate IT are, are incentivized to go this way because they're being pushed this way anyway. Yep. Yes. So any little thing Apple do to, to to help corporations is seen as a bit of a life jacket. It's like, oh, thank goodness, something to help us. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, I mean, the iPhone configurator tool and stuff that's been around for a while is actually quite good. Um, but we tend not to hear about it in consumer circles because we don't have a need to configure 500 iPhones. Okay, uh, let us move on to story number the second, which is not a story about Apple, but is nonetheless, I think, important in Apple and the world Apple moves in. Google have decided they would like to shake themselves up quite significantly. Um, the, exactly how the corporate shenanigans are working is a tiny, teeny, tiny bit weird. But at the end of the day, when all is finished, so Google are going to set up a subsidiary called Alphabet, and then Alphabet is going to become Google's parent company somehow. Uh, it's sort of a bizarre child inheritance parent, sort of a weird situation. But anyway, Alphabet is going to be at the top of the Google tree. And then an awful lot of the stuff that's now under Google that isn't a good fit, like the Nest thermostats and those kind of things, are going to cease to be under Google. And they're going to become peers of Google under Alphabet. But some of the stuff that we know and love, like YouTube and the stuff that is kind of Google-y, that is all staying put under Google. So the evil ad-based empire is sort of being islanded off. And then all of the stuff that they really, you know, where it's a, a complete liability to have your home heating system be associated with people who make money out of ads. It results in rumors like your Nest will have ads on it, which was a real rumor a couple of months ago. All of that stuff is now separate and sits on its own, and it can legitimately say, no, 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 we're not part of that evil ad-based empire. You can trust us with your privacy. So anyone have any thoughts on on this whole rejiggery pokery? Well, it's funny because I I was just going to make the statement that this is kind of a natural involvement of a business to to have separate divisions hmm. giving giving them their own autonomy to be able to go out and make money in the way that they see best uh, as long as they're you know keeping the ethics of the core business requirements which will be alphabet however thinking about it actually the company that i i moved uh, from to mm-hmm. my current company but that uh, i won't mention that they are they were an american company they were almost going in the opposite direction. They were trying to brand everything uh, that they were doing uh, under the same banner. However, having said that, they were actually in a very similar business uh, environment. So that's probably where that ethos was coming from. But for me, I think it does make sense for them to be able to split up seemingly unrelated businesses uh, so that they can be seen to be running on their own and not part of, as we say, the evil um, uh, empire. Because yeah, everything that's based off ad revenue is suspicious. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah well, for, as I think your your famous uh, statement is follow the money. 
Precisely, that is always my attitude. Companies have companies have no morals. Companies will go where their incentives lead them, and their incentive is defined by their business model. So, if their business model is sell data for profit, then any data you give them is going to get sold for profit. Yeah. yeah. So, if they're doing cars, that's not a good fit. If they're doing thermostats, CO two alarms, fire alarms, it's not really a good fit. So by islanding off that we depend on ads for everything as a little island on its own, it actually does really help all their other products. Yeah. Yeah. And if the primary Google piece is going to be run by its own CEO, which it looks like it is, yes. then that also means the, the, the other branches are free to do their own thing and step out and try things. And it's kind of interesting, I think. Yeah, it's certainly for, for – especially for Nest, I think, who have their own charismatic CEO – it always felt odd to have Nest under Google. And now it's a peer with Google, and that feels a lot more correct. Yeah. I'm sure. Maybe that will mean Google will leave it alone and, and Nest will be able to do its own thing. We'll see. But it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Well, you see, Nest have always been saying that, no, 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 we are separate. We're just, un- you know, we're just part of the Google big corporation, but we are separate to those other guys. And now it's really obvious. Yes, you are separate. Yeah. So to some extent, this is just everything stays the same, but it's just become more clear. And that's probably no bad thing for Alphabet as a whole. I'm sure there are uh, financial benefits to the whole process as well. I, I'm not sure it makes that much difference. Well, maybe down the road it probably, I mean, possibly. But I think it's more a case that this way, this, the, the, you know, the, the, the original founders are sort of freed from having to run the boring ad-based stuff and can focus on the cool, fun, futury stuff like cars and things. Yeah. And they, you know, they reinvented search. Great, that's done. Now let's go reinvent cars. Um, also, Google decided that this was a good opportunity to introduce a new logo and the internet went nuts. Apparently everyone thinks it's crap. <laughs> um, I didn't like the old one. I don't like the new one. Meh. Anyone have any thoughts on this rather trivial story? I don't mind the new one, to be honest with you. But, you know, it's all, it's all a matter of taste, isn't it? I mean, people will get used to it eventually. And you know, is it really going to stop people? Oh, I don't like the, the logo, so I'm gonna, not going to Google this. I'm going to Bing it. I'm not sure that's going <laughs> to... I don't think that works very well, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, I don't think Bing's logo is great either. So. People will react to anything on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Change. We'll be having none of that. <laughs> okay. Um, any final thoughts on Googly Alphabet before we move on? I, I, have, I read a little bit of the Daring Fireball article um, mm-hmm. about it, and I must admit, you're, um, you saying that it actually makes things more straightforward. I tried to read the sentence that's headed... Um, here are the legal nuts and bolts. <laughs> and after I got to the end of later this year, I lost it. I just, <laughs> just said right. it like blah 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 blah. <laughs> the, the, the problem is reconfiguring something that's in motion and doing yes. so in compliance with the rather complicated law set down by the FCC and stuff. Uh, FTC. Federal Trade Commission, not Federal Communications Commission. So yeah, for the next six months, there's an awful lot of lawyers who are going to make an awful lot of money. But what, where they're trying to get to makes sense. How they get to it is absolute nonsense crazy. But that's just because that's how these things are. Lots of these business things always seem to end up with the legal profession making lots of money. It's so strange, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. 
Okay, well, the next story isn't a single story. It's sort of a meta story, sort of a collection of lots of little stories that together are worth talking about. And we are talking about mobile payments. So I'll quickly run down what's happened and then we can talk about it. So first off, Pay Anywhere is joining Apple Pay, or rather is getting Apple Pay support. Current C-backer Rite Aid has decided that, you know something, rather than blocking Apple Pay like they were, let's just do that whole Apple Pay thing. So they're on board with Apple Pay. That's a big deal. Current C has said that, yeah, we're not really sure if our product is ready to launch this year. So actually, it's probably going to be next year. And uh, related-ish is that Apple have joined the NFC forum and taken a seat on their board. So... Um, I think actually the UK guys, you are recent recipients of the ability to do Apple Pay. So, any any thoughts from you guys on this? Um, I, I I think all of the moves so far from Apple are the sort of things which they need to do if they want this to work. Um, from my perspective, um, I'm still extremely angry with two of the banks that I actually bank Ooh. with. Yes, I bank with two banks, and neither of them are yet supporting it. Uh, both have said that they will, um, but um, one of them is um, – I, I, I'm not too bothered if they don't, uh, which might surprise some people because it's Barclays. Um, they're uh, a big the other, bank, right? They're a big bank, yeah, but the other the – other, um, organization i bank with is co-op and uh, they, they said they will and they're actually i think i've mentioned this they they're actually using uh, apple pay in their shops now so i think uh-huh. it'll come i think it'll come to the bank eventually uh, and that's the card that i'm particularly interested in using for for apple pay so in protecting um, basically yeah 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 and i think it'll 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 start to spread and you'll see to you you know I, I can't wait to try it out but um it i kind of try it out anyway if i'm honest because i've got you know i've got a card Mm-hmm. And if I can, I just tap it on the machine already. So it, it just means I won't have to get my card out. I'll just have to get my phone out. So. Uh, okay, that's from one point of view, that's true. But from another point of view, when you tap the card, it is the card's details whizzing through the internet. Yes, yes, yeah. But I, I'm talking about the process of me using it, I, I suppose. I know that actually using Apple Pay will be more secure. Well, I'll put it to you this way, Gaz. My bank issued me one of those tap cards, and I shouted at my bank very loudly and made them give me an old-fashioned card. <laughs> they didn't understand why. And I was like, okay, so how much people money can people take without my PIN number? 45 euro. Yeah. How many cards do I have? Four. Is this a good idea? Oh, I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, and, and, I, and I understand your point from the security perspective, and it will be um, more secure uh, through Apple Pay. However... And whether they're trying to keep this quiet, which I, it, it, you can never keep things like this quiet, I don't hear an awful lot of um, fraud through this process. There are stories I can... I can... I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there are. There are always stories, but I don't hear you know, masses amount of fraud. So, it's not epidemic. But, 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 I'm not go- I'm, but I'm certainly not going to say that you know, as soon as it's there, I will use it because it will be more secure. I think actually the biggest thing I hope is that currency is is DOA. I think it is. I, th- I, I you know I'm I'm at I, when I saw your your story. I know that, that it is. It's kind of relative, but to me, I was quite surprised that the stories are in there because I think I, I think I think it's dead in the water, isn't it? From what I've you know all the things I've been picking up the last two or three months. To be honest. everyone keeps expecting it to launch and be a flop, or to not even launch. Yeah. Um, the big difference, of course, is that currency is being provided by the shops and so forth. And so the idea is that it will be 
rather than being more private like Apple Pay, it will be less private so they can yes. track you and follow you around. And rather than it being a credit card, it will be a debit card. So any fraud is your problem, not their problem. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, no one who I, I don't think any consumer who's educated about it will want currency, but I, don't, I, I presume they're counting on customers not being educated. Yeah, but it's still who's going to want to give their checking account information? Uh, that, that that's just mm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if people really do that. Maybe they will. I mean, Walmart's on board with it, and I, I don't know. It's going to be. Oh, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't fly. Honestly. <laughs> Likewise. There's also the fact that their process is based off of the camera and um, 2D barcodes, which I think people will find way less convenient than tap to pay. So even from the convenience point of view, they don't look a better option, let alone from the privacy point of view. Let, let's be honest. A convenience is such a, it's such a massive yep. win for people. Yeah, and nothing really, there really is nothing simpler than putting your finger on the home button and tapping your phone, is there? No. Well, tapping your watch, I suppose. But, yeah. Okay, any any other thoughts on mobile payments? Well, I'm glad to see that the, the Apple Store uh, uh, is going to be selling some of the, these uh, currency options that people have. They can purchase in small business, can then take advantage of Apple Pay. And th- I mean, it, it sounds like it's moving along pretty well, honestly. Yeah, no, it does sound like it's moving along pretty well. And because it's such a win-win for consumers in terms of their privacy and their ease of use, people want it, and the stores are kind of going, oh, I guess we should give people what they want. <laughs> Slowly. Well, there's a surprise. Yeah, eventually. Okay, the next story is again a meta story. Uh, this time, it's a whole bunch of developments in smartphones. Um, hang on, not smartphones, smart watches. I mislabeled my show notes. Note to self, fix that before publishing. Uh, so where it says smartphone, it, it reads smartwatch. So first off, Swatch decided it would be great fun to have a fight with Apple. Uh, the CEO called the Apple Watch a toy. He was horrified that Apple would take responsibility for detecting heart attacks, which I think is somewhat misunderstanding exercise. Um, they registered a trademark called a One More Thing and Tick Different. And then they said, oh, no, 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 one more thing has nothing to do with Apple whatsoever. What about Tick Different then? No, 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 nothing to do with Apple. It's Columbo. We're doing a Columbo watch. Definitely not Steve Jobs. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, okay. Color me a little bit skeptical there. Uh, Actually, let's talk about this watch stuff before we move on to the other stuff. So I kind of, I respected them for having the goal to do it. And then when they decided to backpedal with the Columbo story, I lost absolutely all respect for them. Yeah. So. Seems silly, actually. It does. And what really, the, the, the first interview where he was talking about it being a toy, I immediately went to the YouTubes because I just had visions in my head of Steve Ballmer's very fake laugh at the iPhone. A <laughs> $500 device that doesn't even have a keyboard. No one's going to want this. Uh, yeah, the Apple Watch is a toy. No one's going to want this. I, yeah. In, funnily enough, though, a lot of people, if, we, if you go back to the very early days of Swatch, people kind of thought they're... Um, watches as being a bit of a toy because when you bought a swatch you kind of just bought it for it was a total fashion statement and a swatch was something you just you know you bought you wore it for a little while and it was kind of just a a fun thing it it was almost a fashion statement it wasn't really a watch i mean yeah the the thing i always loved about swatches how playful they were but my apple watch has a luminous blue strap it's very much of the swatch vein in terms of what it looks like yeah 
That's what that's what I mean. You know, you, it, some people, you know, they forget the history very early, uh, very quickly. Yeah, the whole, yeah, they do seem to be taking themselves a little too seriously. <laughs> yes. And any other thoughts on Swatch? Okay, so the next chunk is that Android Wear is coming to iOS. Yay! Well, you say that. So when you say this, when was you that say, too quick? Was that well, too quick? Well, when you say it's coming to iOS, that leaves that that statement is missing some some little stars and caveats. It's not that Apple have said, "Dear Google, have full access to our private APIs." It's that Google have said we are going to make our watch talk to the little public bits that Apple do make available to us. So, in other words, Google have written an iOS app which will talk to the Google Watches, and then that iOS app integrates with the watches. Yeah. So what you end up with is a very, very Google-centric approach because effectively it's a Google app that receives Google push notifications and pushes those Google push notifications to the Google Watch. But it can never do the tight integration with iOS that an Apple Watch can, and it also can't do the tight integration to an iPhone that the same watch can do to an Android phone. So you've kind of got the worst of all possible worlds. If, you're, if you are a Google-y person, you should probably have an Android phone with an Android watch and you will get a really good experience. And if you're an Apple-y person, you should probably have an Apple watch and an Apple phone and you get a really good thing. This doesn't seem like such a good thing. Well, you, you but, say that, Bart. Mm-hmm, I've, I do. I've, actually, <laughs> I've spoken to a few people who have Android um, watches um, or what do they call it? It's not, it's, they don't it's call them Android. Gear, it's Android gear, Android Wear, Wear or Gear. Android which is Wear, it? yeah. Is it Gear um, or Wear? I think it's Wear. I think okay. it's Wear. And most of them seem quite happy. And I've heard one or two people talking about this because it's only come out fairly recently, hasn't it? Yes, um, it's this week, I think. Yeah, and I've heard one or two people already talking about the use of it and seem to be quite pleased. So what I'm still amazed at is that the fact that those people had an Android Wear watch but weren't able to utilize it unless they had an Android phone as well as an iPhone, hmm. which, which has surprised me somewhat. So, I mean, perhaps the person to answer this is um, is uh, sitting quite close to me up the road somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so Nick, you have one of these Galaxy Wear or Android Wear contraptions. What do you think about this? Um, I, I think... <sighs> It's it's better than the other way around, isn't it? I mean, the fact is you can't use the iPhone at all with an Android Witch. Uh, True. A, a Witch? Android Witch? Android Witch? <laughs> There's a Freudian slip of ever yes, heard. Well, <laughs> <can you? laughs> um, I'd be surprised if you'd got an iPhone that you'd buy an Android Watch, I must admit. Because I, I have an Android phone as well. Uh, and right, it makes so you, perfect sense to have both of them together. But yeah. Uh, it might not be perfect, but it it does work to a limited extent. And, and I say it's better than nothing if you happen to own an iPhone. <laughs> but so as I say, maybe, um, maybe it means that I'd the be surprised friction... if people buy Android watches and have iPhones, but there you go. Maybe they bought an Android watch, they had an Android phone, they've now decided they want to go to iOS because they're worried about the security stuff that's been going on the last couple of weeks, and now they can sort of kind of bring their watch with them. Maybe that's the angle. I suppose, actually, it's a, what, what is the reasoning for Google to actually do this? Are they concerned that people 
are, are, are actually asking for this to happen, which I think is a bit of an indictment on their own system. Or is it, well, maybe it's sort of the ice water in hell approach, right? If, I mean, this, this integration is all about your Gmail and your Google Plus and all those kind of things. Yeah. So Google, if Google want you in their ecosystem, no matter who you are, then it does kind of make sense from their point of view. Because again, they want to get you to see their ads. True. And in more honesty, in all honesty, we're often talking about um, how great it is that Microsoft and they're making their software available across yeah. various platforms. So isn't this just the same thing in a slightly different way? Yeah, I suppose what we're forgetting is exactly what Bart just said in the fact that actually there is a reasoning behind why um, Google would want it there to keep you in their ecosphere so they can keep uh, the ad money coming in, follow the money. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, but they make an awful lot of iOS apps because really they're, they're a services company. They make their own phone because it's a really good way to sell you services. But they're kind of the opposite of Apple who make services so that you'll buy their hardware. Google make hardware so that you'll use their services. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Perhaps one, you know, maybe small, but perhaps one market for this might be, I was thinking about a lot of the university students I work with. Somehow a lot of them have iPhones, but mm-hmm. it's usually because... You know, they're they're maybe on their parents' plan or whatever, but they don't have a lot of money. But I could see how maybe for Christmas or maybe at some point they might choose to get themselves an Android watch because it's cheaper. And they might be able to afford that and not be able to afford an Apple Watch. I mean, I could see that that as one one possibility. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a little while ago, when we were talking about the Apple Watch or several programs ago, mm-hmm. and we were talking about stainless steel and the fact that you have to pay an extra... $150 or whatever it was for the stainless steel band. Yes. Where, whereas the the G, LG watch Urbane comes with the stainless steel band and it's £188 in total. Yeah. Um, it's a lot cheaper to buy an Android watch. It's <laughs> as simple as that. And it does a fair amount of what the, I've, the sorry, Apple watch does. Yeah, I'm still amazed it's not an iWatch. I think the whole eye thing has is, 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 is been buried with Steve Jobs. <laughs> yes. He, he was the big eye man, um, in many ways, actually. Um, yeah, I, I guess the other thing, of course, is that the Galaxy watches... Sorry, I keep calling them Galaxy watches. They're not Galaxy watches. They're Android watches. Galaxy just makes some of them. Um, the Android watches are available in pretty much every country in the world. That is not true of Apple watches, as I found out. Because mm-hmm. I had to get a dealer in the form of the wonderful Gazmas to get me mine. I can get you all sorts of stuff, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Want to buy a watch? <laughs> Part of me is tempted, actually, for Christmas to ask you to, to help me acquire a stainless steel band, but never mind. <laughs> I can do anything you wish, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still unavailable in Ireland? They're not available here, and the reason I went ahead Don't with... make him cranky. Well, okay. no, I've gotten over it. You wouldn't like him when he's cranky. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the reason I gave I gave up waiting and just asked Gaz to help me out is because there's a whole. Someone did a survey of all the Apple stores, as in the online stores per country, and there's a whole bunch of countries say coming soon, and there's a whole bunch of countries that say coming by the end of 2015, and then there's countries that say. Nothing at all, which implies that they're not coming anytime soon. They're not coming this year. And Ireland is in the latter list where they just wow. don't mention the watch at all. So I'm pretty sure it's not coming here until... I, I just find that incredible considering, you know, we've got them in the UK. 
And why? I have I a mean, theory, Gels. You do. Oh. I do. I have a theory. The watches come to countries that have Apple stores. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. But, and we ain't got one of those. No. No. So if they start spreading them out into other stores, that could be uh, the, uh, the tick that you're waiting for. See what I did there? It could, yes, it <laughs> take different. Um, oh, dear, we also watch now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It, it could be. Um, and I have a feeling that's going to happen is that maybe the sport will come to these other countries, but the, the, the fancy ones won't. Yeah. Which is yeah. fine because the sport is a lovely device. I don't know. Okay, so any other thoughts on Android Wear coming to iOS? Okay, so then the last story in this little trio is that Samsung have released their latest Galaxy, or their latest uh, Google Wear watch, which is their Gear S2. And so this is a watch which integrates with Android phones using Google's uh, Android Wear APIs. The watch does not run Android. The watch is running Samsung's homemade Tizen operating system. Now, that's a very interesting idea that the watch doesn't have to run the OS that it's interacting with. And besides that fact, it's actually a really nice looking watch. Um, it's round. And they have, they have gone with a very different model of how you do the whole zooming in, zooming out, moving around the interface thing that Apple have went for. They have gone with the bezel of the round watch being effectively a click wheel. And do you know something? It looks really user-friendly. Yeah, I thought that. I thought it was... I actually looked at it and suddenly thought, you know, that's really quite clever. Yeah. And the the whole OS is circular, obviously, given that it's a round watch. And it's it's much, much, much more. If you watch the... Like, there's a a link in the show notes of a a side-by-side review of, of an Apple Watch and one of these new Gear S2s. And the Gear S2's OS and their interface seems an awful lot more native watchy than Apple's, it's a tiny little iPhone, but we have a little circular button that looks like a watch button Mm. interface. It actually, frankly, and I don't say this often, but Samsung have released an original idea that's bloody good. I suppose what we yeah, don't I'm just, do is I'm just doing before. a time mark on that. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a new ad showing up on the stoplight network with me saying that, isn't there? <laughs> so yeah, I did I sp- listen to uh, the Apple Insider podcast, and they, were, uh, they had reviewed this watch a bit, and they were not nearly as impressed with how it actually worked when they had the chance to work with it as it appeared that it might work. So I don't know. Oh. It's interesting. I, I think it's just interesting to – a couple different sides of this story here. Well, again, the only thing I've done, the only thing I've been able to look at is a video of it in use, and it certainly demoed well. Yeah. So I, I don't even remember exactly what 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 other things were they were they were fussing about it, but they they didn't give it a roaring endorsement. Okay. Well, I do think we should. You know, I mean, I, I'm often very harsh on Samsung, and often with very good reason. But the fact that they have gone for an entirely custom design that is entirely of their own making. I think they should be commended on that. You know, they've turned off the photocopier and they've gone and done something original. So if, even if it turns out not to be brilliant, I still want to commend them for doing that. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's great to see them not copy Apple and uh, do something on their own. Like you said, I mean, that's terrific. That's what we need to happen. Innovation. 
Yes, yeah. actual innovation. So Microsoft have now gone and done a very original touch-based OS, and Google, or not Google, Samsung have now gone and done a very original touch-based OS. And frankly, Android has evolved in such a way that it's not very iOS-like at all. So frankly, we now have three very distinct mobile OSs, and we now have a very distinct new phone OS. So things have moved on, and it isn't because they sued each other. It's probably because they stopped suing each other and just got on with making products. Do do we think that this marketplace is just going to... Um, I, I mean, when the, the iPhone, it, it went through an exponential growth. It just went mm. through the roof. Watches, we don't hear quite so much about them and, and the growth behind it, but do we think it's just a gradual um, increase in sales here? Because there's lots of people trying to bring out smartwatches. Now, they wouldn't be doing that unless there's a reason behind it, which is business and that they can sell them. Um, but as I say, I, I'm not hearing, you know, and I, I do see um, smartwatches around, not in quite the same numbers as, as when the phones started coming out and, they, you know, started taking off. But we've had smartwatches uh, around for a little while now. And um, I think they're just creeping into, um, you know, the ecosphere rather than, rather than suddenly an explosion of them. Or, or is that going to happen at Christmas? Well, I guess they definitely should get a bump at Christmas, shouldn't they? But, I, see, a, a watch is different to a phone. You don't really need one. It's just something that's nice to have. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it being a nice-to-have instead of a must-have. But it, it does mean that I don't think we're going to be in a situation where they're selling, what was it, 40-something million per quarter? No, no. <laughs> I think the fact is, there's. I mean, there's quite a, quite a lot of us, myself included, who not long ago said, what do I need a watch for? I've got my phone. My phone replaced my watch. I don't need a watch. And mm. here I am wearing a watch again. That You and me because, both. I, I think because, I was pretty because, adamant that it was a silly idea. That's right. Uh, because you suddenly say, think, find that actually dismissing messages, particularly emails, that you, you th- oh, it's an advert. I don't want to read that. Oh, I'm not really interested in that. And just being able to do it in that split second is actually really useful. Yeah, strangely enough, my watch is saving my bat- my phone's battery. Because I used to check the time all the time by turning that big screen on, and now I just yeah. flick my wrist quickly. And yeah, I now yeah. have Bluetooth on that I didn't used to have on. But you know something, all that energy I was wasting taking my watch out of my pocket or my phone out of my pocket and looking at it was using more energy. Which yeah. sounds a bit ridiculous, but it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> it actually does work. <laughs> it does, and what I find particularly useful is actually, I mean, I like it. I like the fitness aspect of it when I'm not in work. But when I'm in work, the aspect of it that I like is the fact that it's very undisturbing. When my phone starts making noises, it's very disturbing. And you can't very subtly in a meeting take out your phone and start looking at it. But you can very subtly just glance at your wrists, decide, no, don't care, and not disrupt a meeting. Yeah. I don't think that the watch will ever have the kind of sales that the – the iPhone does. There's, there's just no way in my mind. But I do suspect we're at the beginning of likely to see all kinds of fashionable, perhaps, but wearable things coming along. And I, I think we're just at the very beginning. We're going to have them in our clothing, have them, have them all over us, I think, eventually. Probably, yeah. And it's just that the, the wrist has, over the centuries, proven to be a really good place to start putting tech. Yeah, but I think it's a start. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I just find it hard to imagine what the next thing will be, but that's why it's fun to do this, because they'll surprise us. Mm -hmm. 
to whatever it is, I'm bound to say, I'm never going to use one of those. That's a silly <laughs> idea. <laughs> I think that might actually be a good test. If Bart's got reactions, this is a stupid idea. Maybe it's genius. <laughs> yeah, because I, I need to eat some humble pie on that whole, who wants a watch, carry on. I was wrong. I want a watch. I have a watch. Uh, which is the first time in about a decade my wrist is... Actually, for the first day or two, it was really weird to have like something on my wrist again. My body was like, hang on a second. It's been a while since that's happened. Yeah, I think an awful lot of us took them off for years and years because we did have the phones. I used to break watches at a staggering rate, which has, has me slightly worried. I'm hoping I've gotten out of that habit because it would now be quite an expensive habit. Yes, you don't want to do that. No. Okay, I'm going to move us on to story number the fifth, which is perhaps short, but perhaps important. So the stock market in China is going a wee bit uh, up and downsy, more downsy than upsy. And as a result, Apple being, having pushed so hard about their China, you know, how big they are in China and how China's an evolving market for them, obviously experienced some blowback when the Chinese stock market went... So Tim Cook sent an email to Jim Cramer basically saying, calm it down, our sales are fine, things are grand. And Jim Cramer read it out on air and the stock seemed to settle down a bit. And you'd say, well, okay, good for Apple to be on the ball. However, the fact that Tim Cook sent it as an email rather than as a press release may cause him some trouble with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Maybe, depending on how you read the rules. So my personal take is if you tell it to a journalist with the understanding he's going to broadcast it on the air, you haven't given someone secret information that can be abused for insider trading you've effectively given a press release. You've given it to a journalist for the purpose of publishing on the television. So I think this is a giant big pile of nothing, but I'm not a lawyer and I don't work for the SEC. Any thoughts from anyone? I can't imagine uh, that Tim Cook did this just as a reactionary process. I've got a feeling that I'm sure uh, a man in his position in uh, a company of that standing would not have done this glibly uh, without some uh, recourse to his lawyers. Um, So so I have a feeling that they will probably be okay. However, it it has caused consternation about about the process. Uh, And, of course, uh, they probably did it in a certain way because they wanted to do it in that certain way. Um, and I think in the end, it'll probably be all right. Uh, no, no news is bad news. I don't know. You know, perhaps <laughs> doing it, perhaps doing that, you know, meant that it was going to get more coverage. I don't know. You know, that's a bit cynical, possibly. I don't know. Um, well, from but, Apple's uh, point of view, is it better to be talking about the minutiae of SEC rules or the chaos in China? Which this kind of this what and what this did was actually say we're okay in China, we're moving forward, and then everybody went, oh great, let's calm down. Oh, hang on a minute, you sent that, you know, and then didn't worry about the China bit with Apple anymore. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, you know, cynical says, you know, is that why they did it? I don't know. It, it, it I can't imagine that Tim Cook had not got. Uh, advice about sending that email out from his uh, his lawyers within the organisation. Well, at the very least, to me, this is entirely in keeping with the spirit of the rules, because the whole point of these rules is that you should not be giving people information they can abuse for insider trading. And there's no way what Tim Cook did is giving people information they can abuse for insider trading. 
if it really is true that this email from Tim Cook caused everyone to begin to calm down and had a significant effect on the stock market, that's pretty amazing that uh, that Apple has that kind of power. If that really, you know, if that really is what, if there is real cause and effect, that that's pretty amazing, actually. Well, maybe it's the fact that they speak so rarely. You know, the key to being taken seriously is not to say very much. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, you know, it, it's an interesting story indeed from those two levels, you know, that A, a that Tim Cook thought it was worth speaking, B, when he spoke, I mean, his email is actually very sensible. Uh, it's full of nice facts and figures and, you know, spot on, he, he clearly a man with his fingers on the pulse. And it did rather seem to have an effect. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to agree with, with Gary and with you, Bart. I, I just can't imagine this will ultimately turn out to be anything. I don't think this is the next uh, stock, option, stock options grant scandal. Yeah, no. there, there were some concerns around that, weren't there? Yeah, the difference being with the stock options scandal, people made millions. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were some concerns that, that you know that, that he basically held uh, Apple's stock, and he he's got some stock options which, if it had gone below a certain point, he would have lost a lot of money, and it was held at a relatively close positioning to that. Um, uh, that, I, okay, that the, the maths the maths I read on that in, a, in the story I read, which I, I didn't bother sticking in the show notes, was that the shares would need to fall to close to zero because of how close they were to that deadline. Uh, I think that yeah, I, I heard something else, but I did it, it, you know, I, I if that if that comes out, it, which it'll be very difficult for that to come out, then you know all hell will break loose. But I'm not sure that's going to be the situation. That's true, because that would make it just like the stock options grants. If, if yeah. this was a bit personal gain for Tim Cook, that would be very, very bad. Yes, yes. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure I don't think Tim it is. Cook... I don't think, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's the sort of guy that would do that. I think that email was, was very carefully crafted uh, and legally uh, um, thought over before it went. And they have better lawyers than I do, so it's probably okay. <laughs> And more than probably. I should hope so. <laughs> I should really hope so. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to move us into our sixth and final story, which is perhaps a little bit of schadenfreude, but actually this is a serious story. So Samsung's latest fablet, or whatever we want to call these contraptions, I still think it's... Actually, here's another point where I may end up eating my own words a couple of months from now. I think big phones are stupid. <laughs> I may well eat my words on that too later but at the moment I still hold that opinion be, be very careful at least be I'm very honest. careful my padawan yeah. at least I'm honest about it and I'm perfectly happy to change my mind and say I changed my mind but right now in a second I have colleagues who have these Galaxy Notes not the 5 but other Galaxy Notes and I, I can't see myself liking them uh, it could, it, I'll, just, I'll just jump in there I agree with you Bart because there's a few people at work that have got them and I just think oh, no, no they're not for me they are very large, I have to admit. Yeah, well, even though I have a 5.5-inch Android. It's 5.5 um, inches big as they get? No, like, no, is that no, bigger or smaller than a Note 5? Oh, yeah, sorry. I stepped on you there. No, is what you have, Nick, is that the size of a Note 5 or is, it, is that, even, is that no, smaller? No, I think the Note's even bigger than the, um, the mine. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so the Note 5 comes out, and it has a stylus, which, if Steve Jobs is to believe, is already a bad device. And I'm kind of with Steve, because I'm very, very sure I don't want a phone where bits can fall off. I mean, as, much, as wrong as I may be about the screen size, I really don't want a phone which has detachable bits what can get lost. But anyway, 
the Galaxy Note does. It has a stylus called an S Pen, and it fits into the device. You slide it in, and if you slide it in the wrong way, there is no resistance to tell you you're doing anything wrong. It's not that it's designed in such a way that it fits one way and not the other way. I mean, we've kind of invented... You know, stuff like USB leads, electrical plugs. You kind of developed ways of telling people they're doing it wrong and that you have to apply brute force and ignorance to do something stupid. But Samsung didn't get that note. Sorry for the pun. Uh, so anyway, you can stick it in backwards without it resisting you in any way, shape, size or form. And the first point you'll realize you've made a terrible, horrible mistake is when you go to take it out again. Because a mechanism deep inside the phone will grip very tightly onto that stylus. And the only way to get it back out is to break the mechanism inside your phone, or rather to damage the little sensor. And kind of the whole point of these styluses is that the phone knows when you've taken the stylus out, so if you bust that mechanism, that isn't good. And there were many people saying, oh, this is nothing, this is not important. This is, you want to be an idiot to put it in backwards. And uh, (laughs) then we watched Leo Laporte playing with his phone and accidentally doing it to himself, and then admitting, actually, no, this is a problem. There was no resistance. There was absolutely nothing here. And uh, Samsung's response of, well, you should read the manual, is pathetic. It is a very clear manual. (laughs) 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 Yeah, see previous statement. That's pathetic. So there have also been people saying, oh, it's just like antenna gate. It's like, yeah, but when I held my phone wrong, I didn't break my phone. Exactly. I just lost a little bit of signal. So I think this is a gigantic screw-up, and I think Samsung are going to probably have to replace people's devices when they do this. But uh, I guess we shall see. Any other thoughts? Um, it would certainly have got a little bit more coverage if it had been Apple. Yes. Oh, there'd be a gate for it. <laughs> no doubt. Stylus gate. Pen gate. <laughs> I do wonder whether Samsung will do something about it. I, You know, will they change the hardware in some way or make it not possible to do this. I mean, I've seen styli for years with, which are slightly wider, which have like a little rim at the top so that they can only go in one way and stuff. I mean, this is not an old problem or, you know, this is not something that no one's ever solved before. Yeah. I mean, my Palm Pilot, you couldn't stick the stylus in the wrong way. And that was in the nineties. Well, the, the the real gotcha about the whole thing is that that it honestly breaks the phone if you do it. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. yeah, that that is that is like yeah. Well, it breaks it breaks some functionality of the phone, doesn't it? It doesn't completely yeah. Yeah, right. yeah but that's still a problem. Like, if, oh yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm not dismissing that, but it you know it, it, we, we've got to be careful. We say it breaks the phone. We're, we're right. being a little bit um, anti Appleist there, you know, almost the, in the other it, direction. It breaks, it breaks functionality related to the stylus. Yeah, 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 which is is not what you want, of course. But um, it it. It, it, I've got to say, if this was Apple, it oh. would be. It would be. It not only breaks your phone; it probably ruins some sort of software process which click, clicks back to your Mac, and your Mac will break in about a week as well. So <laughs> there'd be all sorts of rumours along those lines. So uh, yeah, but uh, it, yeah, Samsung are going to have to do something about this. I think um, they're getting a bit of bad press on it, and you know, hey, so they should. Yep, because just like I was happy to say when they did something right, I'm perfectly happy to say this is really bad. Yeah. Okay, any other final thoughts? Big lesson learned. I hope so. 
Right, before we wrap up the show, just a few little quick stories that didn't quite make it into the main six, but I think we should mention anyway. Um, There has, as always, been some hiring and firing. Well, not firing, hiring and retiring. No, not retiring, leaving. Anyway, changes. (laughs) There have been changes. So Ian Rogers, who was in charge of Apple Music, is leaving Apple. Uh, We didn't know initially where he was going, but we now know he's off to LVMH, which I think is Louis Vuitton something, something, something. Um, Apple then have hired Nick Thompson, who was in Microsoft, where he was a lead audio engineer on the HoloLens project. So immediately the whole world is saying, hang on a sec, they've hired a guy who is working on augmented reality. Apple must be doing augmented reality. Maybe. Definitely an interesting hire, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, to no one's surprise, Apple have hired an engineer from Tesla. Jamie Carlson, he was a senior engineer. He was at Tesla, and now he's at Apple. I think we're pretty sure they're doing a car. They're doing certainly doing something to do with a car. <laughs> yes, there is automotive something on the way from Apple sometime. If yes. he was a senior engineer at Tesla, and mm-hmm. he enjoyed his job in automotive engineering, then why would he leave? Because Apple may have made him an offer too good to refuse. If he was really into his job of automotive engineering, then that indicates that there's you know something definitely coming on a car front rather than just equipment um, that you would put into a car. Something exciting enough is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to think of it, actually. Um, another story which is unusual, it's a very short story because Apple basically went, slap, that rumour shall go away. So the rumour came out that Apple was launching its own virtu- uh, its own cell network, as in an MVNO, which is a mobile something, mobile virtual network operator. In other words, you look like you are a company that owns cell towers, but actually you're just renting space in other people's cell towers. So you have no hardware, just sort of a sales contract with existing people who put up masks and things. So the rumour was Apple were going to do their own network in the US. And Apple said, no, we're not. And that all came very, very quickly, one after the other. Highly unusual. They're becoming very chatty, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> For Apple, yes. <laughs> but I think they're, they're, they're somewhat selective on when they chat. And I think oh, in yes. this case, oh, yes. it's very much in their interest because their partners are cell carriers. And it's not a good idea to make your partners think you're about to become their competition. Yeah. And so, yeah. Anyway, it was, inter- it was an interesting story. And then two hours later, it was a non-story. It sort of made me laugh. I guess it's uh, really not a good idea when you're wanting that those partners to... Uh, sell your brand new phone that's about to come out for you, huh? That's true. That is very <laughs> true, yes. This time of year is the worst possible time for that kind of rumour, actually. So, yeah, I can understand why they slapped it down. So, January time, they might say, you know what? <laughs> actually. <laughs> no, seriously, though, it doesn't really make sense for Apple to do an MVNO because they're not a US-only company, no. and they no. couldn't possibly launch an MVNO in every country. I mean, it's, I, I don't believe it. So, there we go. Um, a story which probably would have made it to one of our numbered stories uh, if there had been less news this month, but um, Apple, not Apple, Amazon have extinguished their Fire Phone. The Fire Phone, the failed experiment that it was, is dead. Anyone miss it? Is that I the did, phone? I, did, that I they... don't even remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, is that the phone they brought out and then they dropped the price considerably after a, a, a few months and there was uproar about that and then... yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's the one, and it's just died on its on its feet, really. Well, yeah, it said Amazon cut the price from $200 to $0.99 cents and then made it free. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that, to me, now is quite the sign that this was not going well. Well, there we have proof. It is dead. 
Uh, and then finally, which has already been hinted at a few times, uh, there is an event coming up in a few days' time. We're recording this on the 5th of September. The event is on the 9th of September. Um, Apple are not telling us very much because they never do. They said Siri gives us a hint. So I said to my watch, Siri gives us a hint. And Siri was not very helpful. No. You should have listened to our last show. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I think that's probably the most z- the, the zaniest show I've ever heard you do. <laughs> I haven't laughed so much. I almost crashed the car on the way home. Sorry. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've had lots of complaints about people injuring themselves while listening to our show, partner. <laughs> okay, well, I, I hope the one I was on didn't injure too many people. No, no. I think that was, uh, that was a good show. I have to go back. So what episode is it that I should listen to carefully while not operating heavy machinery? <laughs> Most any anyone that you're not on, really. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there is one thing worth noting. So we're used to the fact that Apple stream these events and we're used to the fact that we can use our iOS devices, we can use Safari on our Macs and we can use our Apple TVs to watch these streams. Well, someone else gets to play at the party. Windows 10 users can also oh, watch yes. the streams. Yes. So Using that is interesting. Edge. They can finally see what they've been missing all these years. Yeah, well, Edge Edge is actually finally a decent browser from Microsoft. Um, and a colleague of mine is using it in work, and we were both very pleasantly surprised with Edge. Um, both from a browsing, sort of, you know, how does it look when you're surfing the web, but also from a nerd level, like, you know, Firefox and Chrome and Safari have had really good developer tools for years and years and years, and Internet Explorers have been frankly awful. While in Edge, Internet Explorer joins the modern world. So it's actually a very pleasing browser all around. So far, anyway. Yeah. And they can play along here. So it, it, it's a very interesting development, actually, the whole Windows 10 thing. Leaving aside the privacy concerns, which are way too long to get into on this show. So, folks, thank you very much for giving off your time. Uh, just before I do the outroductions, uh, just a reminder to listeners that there will be full detailed show notes over at lets-talk.ie. There will be links there to all the stories that informed our discussion today. While you happen to be there, you will notice in the top wait, top left sidebar, the top left of the sidebar, that there are two blue buttons called support the show. Um, firstly, those of you who already do support the show on Patreon, thank you very much. You guys literally are the foundation upon which this show is built. Because you support the show on Patreon, every time I get a show out, Patreon deduct from you whatever amount you've pledged, which means that I can plan ahead for the show. It's possible for me to know that assuming I get shows out, I will get money in, which means bills can be paid and so on and so forth. So that that Patreon is absolutely the bedrock on which this podcast is built. So thank you very much. You guys really are patrons of the show. Uh, there's also a button for PayPal, which is just basically click the button, type in an amount of money, hit go. Also helps the show a lot. So I thank everyone who clicks that PayPal button from time to time. You guys also help the show a lot. And then, of course, so just the plain old simple things, you can go to iTunes and leave us a good review. And that is also worth an awful lot to us. So whatever way you help the show, I appreciate them all and thank you. So what else I appreciate very much are the panelists who give freely of their time. Uh, and you guys keep coming back. It's great. Uh, let me see. Reverse order. I think Robert was last. Therefore, Robert shall be first. Robert, do you want to remind people where they can find you on the Internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Robert underscore Carter or at the Tech Doctor podcast, which is at dr-carter.com. And I sure enjoyed this part. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to have you, Robert, and I do hope we'll hear from you again. Well, you're on the list, so I hope you'll come back. Look forward to it. Excellent. Uh, I think Gaz was next. Gaz? Yep. 
Uh, easy. Just go over to gasmas.com and I basically put various photos up there occasionally and uh, mostly the podcasts which I appear on uh, go up there on a blog um, but you can find me on a regular basis uh, doing our stuff with uh, uh, Guy Searle we call ourselves the G-Men on the MyMac podcast uh, in the same network that uh, the Bart's on and it's it's zany it's not sensible uh, <laughs> and apparently it's quite dangerous if you're driving so we have heard today so you should have a disclaimer don't listen to this show if you're of a nervous disposition that's probably good advice actually <laughs> thank you Gaz and then finally Nick would you like to give out any links um, only that you can find me on Twitter at Spligosh S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H excellent well thank you very much folks I've been your host Bart Bouchot so you can find me at bartb.ie and until next time happy computing Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, Gaz, do you like apples? Yes, I love Cox's because they're hard and juicy. Huh? Do you mean what I think you mean? Yeah, Cox's Pippin' Apples. They come from Somerset Guy. Everyone knows that. But we're talking about the MyMac.com podcast. It's been around since 2004. Oh, I see. That type of apple. Exactly. You can find it in iTunes. Talk to us from Twitter or Facebook. Or call us on our Skype number, which is... 703-436-9501. There. Said it before you could.